Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. I have a great guest, Justina Zander. Um, we're going to be talking about autonomous driving and um, some NVIDIA possibly related projects. Justina, how are you doing? Hello, Richard. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming. So if you would, can you uh, let listeners know uh, what you do? And we'll you know ease into the topic that way. Working on self-driving cars and uh, generally autonomous transportation for multiple years now. Now I think more or less twelve years in ver- various uh, capacities and also at various companies and startups. That's great. So, uh, yeah, what specifically are you working on in the realm of autonomous vehicles? Um, you know, uh, have, helping the vehicle navigate, or you know, what are the like a little bit more specifically, what projects are you working on? Mm-hmm. So right now, um, I'm working on software, hardware, co-design, and the architecture for uh, autonomous driving and uh, mapping for self-driving cars. Oh, interesting. So what are some of the challenges in uh, getting this rolled out? Um, you know, that not everyone has a self-driving car, not even close. So uh, what's taking mm-hmm. it uh, so long? So, you know, it depends how you look at the problem. Uh, um, there are multiple challenges, obviously. Uh, one of them, in terms of um, making it mass production, is the cost. So even if the technology exists and on the prototype level it does exist, it does not necessarily mean that it's going to be on the road uh, very quickly, just because of the cost. So what you what you really want to achieve is uh, you want to combine the technology, the functional safety of the technology, and uh, very low cost in order to mass produce in high volumes. Now, okay, so um, when you talk that, about cost, a, um, right? What? How much? How much does it cost if you were going to retrofit an existing car? Um, are are companies even working on that, or it's just going to be for new cars first? Will they have the self-driving yeah. technology, and what was the cost? So this is again, you know, the entire self-driving car domain. Uh, has multiple dimensions. So people uh, people talk about self-driving, but sometimes they do not necessarily mean the full autonomy. Uh, very often people talk about advanced assistance system uh, that is just helping out. Like um, As an example, I give you an autopilot. It's helping out in driving. It's not necessarily driving for you uh, and for sure not fully driving for you. Uh, so in the industry, you, you are talking about a kind of a jargon, level one, level two, level three, level four, level five, and each level means something else. Level five is the full autonomy, and um, level two, level three is more the autopilot level. Does that make sense? All right. So, yeah, talk to me about the different levels. What What do you get with each level currently? Can you just, you know, give a quick summary again? So, uh, with level, so nowadays, if you look at the uh, advanced assistance systems for driving you typically categorize uh, them as level two, level two plus or level three. And this is what we currently already have on the road. Uh, A prominent example is the Tesla autopilot car, but also other companies are coming out with their ADAS system, um, so advanced driving assistance system. 
and this is what exists. This is what works on the highway. Uh, it's not going to work on the in the urban environment uh, because it's just um, the complexity level is magnitude uh, levels much more complicated. So now Where you are more complicated. Instead of driving cars, it's much more complicated when you are talking about an urban environment in comparison to the highway. Oh, oh, an urban environment. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. The highway is usually pretty simple, but an urban environment. Well, yeah. What What are some of the challenges from an urban environment? What um, specific hazards are there that make it so difficult? Oh, well, right. So. Um, maybe just to give you an example, I, I don't think that highway is uh, simple. I think it's simpler than urban environment, but it is still not simple. So I wouldn't uh, underestimate the highway scenarios. In urban environment, um, if you drive, say, in San Francisco, you are fully aware how difficult it is to drive for you as a driver, as a human driver. It's just extremely complicated how the roads are. Historically, the roads evolved in, in various manners in various cities. So every scenario is going to be slightly different. There is no golden rule how to drive. And there are trams, there are pedestrians, uh, you know, there is a lot of people, crowds and, and whatnot in urban environments. It's just extremely complicated. Not to mention the rush hours uh, differentiation and weather conditions differentiations and whatnot. But on the highway, it's also, I think the highway is also a complicated case because you know, you are also dealing with uh, cross sections and tracks and uh, various road conditions, uh, weather conditions right. and whatnot. So anything can happen. Well, one thing I found um, is when uh, <clears throat> lanes move and they'll repaint new lanes, but the old ones, they won't black out. So you'll have mm-hmm. ghosts of other lanes. And even for the human eye, it's very difficult. Um, but I've noticed that it causes problems, you know, even like, like I have a Subaru, for instance, and it has lane detection, but it fools the lane detection a lot of times. So something like that is, is complicated. Or I had heard, um, well, I'd seen certain cars are very reflective and they reflect light into your eyes or, you know, the car's cameras. <clears throat> and I would guess that would cause um, problems and confusion. Any specific examples, or do these examples make sense to you that they would make it difficult for an autonomous vehicle to navigate? Well, the examples certainly make sense. You know, so when you are talking like you are talking about specific technologies, so what you now mentioned is really percep- perception and computer vision. And here you have two two main issues. One one is the hardware, so uh, the sensor, and what is what is actually the sensitivity of the sensor? How well is the sensor able to receive the information from the environment and then process them and make sense of them? That 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 is one thing. So the sensor and and then the compute power that is going to uh, make sense of the video stream or uh, point cloud stream from the sensors, right? That's one 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 level of the problem. And then the other level of the problem is that. Once you receive all this data from the environment, you actually have to process them and apply some algorithms in order to detect the information that you are actually interested in. Say, when you are driving with, say, one sensor camera and you observe around that there is multiple cars around you and also there is a pedestrian crossing the cross section, you have to be able to make a sense of this information immediately. In, in real time, you, there is no way for you to wait uh, 
any amount of delay, uh, microseconds, nanoseconds perhaps, uh, but not more than that. And the reason for that is that uh, the car has to make a decision immediately. And there is no way that you can wait because the car cannot wait. Uh, and your life is at right, stake. Yeah. So now, uh, as I'm saying, two items. One is the sensor and perception. The other is uh, the compute to process the proper information and uh, apply the algorithm. And, and you, you are fully aware that we are nowadays using the uh, AI, the, the commonly referred to AI, artificial intelligence term. It's not necessarily the, the AI from the you know 60s and 70s. It's more the deep learning dimension. And deep learning is all about analysis of the images and uh, filtering out the information that, that you are interested in in a very clever manner. So now, if, if you want to do that, <laughs> this uh, very special type of uh, filtering and detecting, you actually need a, a compute power that is able to do that. And, and GPU happens to be uh, the right solution for deep learning in general because, because it is working on the matrix multiplication uh, foundation. So, so now when you are dealing with deep learning and with uh, inferencing, uh, it's a suitable processor for doing things like that. So now um, coming back to the initial question about the situation, uh, what is the problem? What is the technical problem? We distilled two things, the sensor and the processing of the information from the sensor. So the sensor being the camera or LIDARs or radars, and the uh, processing uh, microprocessor, which would be GPU in that case. So all these things yeah. thing have to come together. You have to be able to put the sensors on the rack uh, in a proper manner, and you have to, the sensors have to be aligned. They have to be calibrated. You know, the technology has to evolve in such a manner that uh, every car uh, is able to recognize the right objects in the right manner. And then the processing has to uh, occur. So you have to cable the entire, uh, wire the entire car, you know, and there is multiple cables required for that. So you need a harness of cables and uh, it all has to be compatible. You know, you need a software stack for doing all this and yet working on the GPU. So it's extremely difficult uh, in terms of technology stack. Um, and then this is just the functionality, you know. So if you look... At the cars that are on the roads uh, nowadays, and we call them full autonomy, the L4, L5 level, these cars are, I call them prototypes, really. And the reason I call them prototypes is because everything I said so far is just in order to achieve the functionality, but it does not yet mean that it's going to be a safe, reliable, credible functionality for every single car that you're going to manufacture. Right. Uh, for that, you need functional safety and security uh, built in into your solution, and it has to build on the it has to be built on the software level and on the hardware level and on the system level. And and this is basically the functional safety. I think um, is is basically the reason why it takes so long the industry to figure this out because it it's, it's basically it takes a lot of time to build in uh, the safety software into into the initial functionality. That's one thing. The other thing is, as I said before, the cost. Uh, and I think the, the, the third thing is that there is a lot of uh, stakeholders in this entire self-driving car technology uh, build. So it's not that you know one company is just um, 
thinking, okay, let's build a self-driving car. I'm going to build it all by myself. It's more that there is multiple suppliers, multi- multiple stakeholders working on multiple things, and you have yes. to be able to make sense of all of them. So the integration plays an extremely enormously uh, big role, and, and it's difficult to figure it out. Uh, if you if you compared here, um, yes. yeah, if you compared retrofitting an existing car with you know a fully autonomous system or even some level of it, and putting mm-hmm. it on a new car. Uh, what's the what's the you know how much harder is it either way and how much more expensive? I'm not sure. So I you know it depends how you look at the problem again because um, you know how much harder. It's just different. Um, whether it's harder or not, it depends what kind of metrics you are using in order to qualify and quantify it. So I wouldn't even say that one is harder than the other. I would rather say it depends what your goal is, what you want to achieve, whether you want to produce you know, um, a million car or whether you want to produce two cars. <laughs> it very much depends. Well, you had, you know, if, if all factors were equivalent, similar body, mm-hmm. similar, you know, same level of autonomy, all that stuff, mm-hmm. you don't think it would be any more difficult to retrofit an existing car versus uh, putting it on a new one? Has that even been yeah, considered? The, the retrofit, I would have to think about it. The The retrofit... I think the retrofit is going to be in the end at the end of the day the retrofit is going to be more expensive mm-hmm. uh just because you you would have to go and do it for you know every car in separation because every car is now it's been on the road the geometry of the car is different so you you basically have to retrofit it uh, there is no universal retrofit I would say if you are talking about fully autonomous cars so that that's that's not necessarily a viable economic option to okay. do that. No, you no know, I, I think every company uh, that's producing a car would want to be credible enough to say that our software is always safe and whenever we uh, see any problem, we, we're going to cause an immediate recall of the software and it's going to be fixed. So I would want to believe that uh, when we produce cars, they're always going to be reliable and the moment they are not, we're going to stop using the functionality that is not reliable. Right. Yeah, that's that's the goal, at least. <laughs> it's like, you know, so I mean, from... if you fly a plane, you don't you don't take into account that there could be uh, a failure of the software or hardware in the plane. You just, you basically, you exclude this option. <laughs> and that's going to happen with the cars as well. I wouldn't right. include this option as an option, really. <laughs> Okay. Well, any insights you have from being, um, you know, an insider and programming these systems that the general public doesn't know about? Any really cool or unusual things that you've seen in regards to these these systems when they're running? I'm not sure that I could disclose those. I think, you know, so in general, um, the field of uh, deep learning is progressing extremely fast. So the effect of coolness is relatively easy to achieve. As I said before, the the effect of coolness is not necessarily equal to mass production and volume. Uh, so I, I'm always very hesitant to say uh, that cool cool is not necessarily equal to you know useful in the long run. <laughs> okay. Well, again, anything that strikes you as either being either cool or useful. Yeah. So okay. Nvidia came up with Nvidia came up with this uh, other type of module, kind of a uh, 
angel warning, we call it, or a more professional term is AI co-pilot. So that's a module that is uh, observing the driver or the passenger, if you are talking about the self-driving. And uh, based on the behavior with in the in the car in the cabin of the car, uh, the AI co-pilot is able to uh, give you some hints about your behavior uh, or uh, make you aware of uh, of the situation where you have to take care of the steering wheel if there is a steering wheel, or um, basically it is making you aware of um, how how you should behave in the car in order to stay safe. And it also, it, you know, we have multiple modules. So, for example, when you are listening to the music, it would be able to read your lips. Um, uh, and from your lips, it would say, um, if if you have any commands to the car, you, you could basically use your lips. And even if you are listening to the music, it, it, it doesn't matter for the car. So things like that. Do you whisper uh, to it or something? You, you could just whisper mouth, to it, yes. <laughs> you could mouth you the could command, whisper. like, help me change the That's music, right. and they would do it. That's correct. Huh. Or, you know, if a baby is crying in the car and, and your voice is not coming uh, without noise, then uh, AI co-pilot would be still able to recognize what you are actually commanding to the car. Oh, so there you and go. That's interesting. Also, I, I didn't even think that would be useful. And until until you mentioned it, I didn't even consider something like that. I see. Yeah, there are scenarios like that, you know, in the car. People are doing very crazy things, uh, uh, drinking coffee, talking on the phone, uh, playing games, whatever people are doing. So in order to stay safe, uh, NVIDIA came up with this, um, basically a co-pilot uh, assistant for you. And and of course, in the in the long-term future, you, you are able to uh, order stuff online or change music or well, right. it's going to observe your well, head okay. and it's going to observe you whether, whether you are in healthy conditions and if not, then it's going to take action for you. So basically a helper, a supporter, like a friend. Yeah, friend. What about <laughs> um, if you don't want it to help you? Is, is this yeah, a voluntary you can turn thing? It off. That makes... Oh, you can. You can for now, you off. can turn it off, right. But of I'm sure it could be mandated that, you know, the car would just, uh, you know, take over if it uh, senses some kind of problem. You know, I'm sure, for instance, uh, people that are against drunk driving would love to have right. cars that, you know, you they already have ignition interlocks, but I'm sure they'd love to have AI that, uh, you know, that goes further and doesn't let you drive when it decides, you know, you're not safe. Um, so there's stuff you control, but I'm sure it, it uh, unfortunately may progress to stuff you can't control, like the seatbelt chime. If you don't want that, you have to do like a workaround, you know, which mechanics won't do and everyone yells at you not to do. Uh, not that I have experience with this, but... Um, <laughs> You know, there's just that line with uh, what you're, what you can do, and then what you're told to do after a while. So that's why I wanted you to comment on if you see things going that way. That's right. That's right. So there are multiple applications. I'm sure we're going to come up with multiple other scenarios where where AI co-pilot can be useful for you. In, in, if you think in terms of entertainment, and uh, in a fully self-driving car, entertainment is going to play a very significant role, in my opinion. So now you can play games, you can watch movies, you can, you know, swipe um, on the windows that are going to be enabled, or, you know, you you can do multiple things that you have never been uh, exposed to. Even I always joke that uh, one day I'm gonna just 
jump into the car and there will be a jacuzzi in the car and I'm, I'm just going to chill in the jacuzzi if I if I feel like. Uh, so there are multiple things. Yeah, if you have things. one of those stretch limos, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, or you know, you are going on vacation, so you you rent a specific type of a car depending what your needs are. So I think it's going to evolve uh, into into a lot of entertainment and, and consumer-like uh, functionality. Uh, it very much depends what we want to achieve. <laughs> when do you think um, <clears throat> autonomous cars will become ubiquitous, where they're used by um, a very substantial part of drivers? When in terms of the timeline? Yeah, number of years. What's your guess? You know, I, mean, it's, I, I think it's not necessarily a guess. It's, it's a, fact, a very factual statement when you think about it a little bit longer and you consider the fact. Many companies now, uh, many OEMs are saying 2019, 2020. And sure, it's going to happen uh, for some regions, some very specific regions, uh, and for some specific cars. Uh, the self-driving is going to happen. The full autonomy is going to happen by then. But it does not mean that you're going to be, you as a consumer, you're going to just walk into the store and buy a self-driving car. And this is going to take another, I think, 25 years. And the reason I'm saying this is that, yeah, the reason I'm saying this is that every country is different. Every regulations are different. Um, There is a huge problem with um, understanding the global road net. So you really have to map the entire globe in order to um, to make a statement. Yeah, so driving is going to happen everywhere in whatever, 2025 or whatever. And you will have to have okay. the ability to, to map the entire globe uh, because it's your redundancy that you have to provide for full self-driving. So it very much depends. It, it, it very much depends on the commitment of, of various stakeholders how much they want to push and drive it and invest in it. As I'm saying, a lot of uh, the technology is not necessarily the biggest problem, but uh, the investment is going to be the problem. And also uh, the safety of the technology still needs some uh, consideration. Uh, Just to give you an example, whenever I talk about AI and uh, deep learning algorithms, the industry is still figuring out how to make sure that uh, AI is uh, functionally safe. And if you look into the regulations, um, the ISO 2626 uh, regulations, there is uh, there are, uh, some chapters about AI that are in draft. Uh, so they're being drafted right now and they will come out, I can't remember one exactly, uh, I think 2018. That makes sense. So, but, but anyway, so... Um, Safety of AI is something that the industry is still working on, and there is no particular player who would win it. I think we we, we have to work on this all together and figure what is the best algorithm to support this redundancy. To give you an example with planes, um, many people ask me, well, the planes are flying, so what's the big deal with the cars? I think the planes are flying partially so well, because first of all, uh, the orders of magnitude of the complexity is a little bit less with planes. Uh, there is really? the density of the traffic. It's kind of funny less. to say. That's amazing. I know. But... It, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. It's just the complexity of the problem grows with with the number of stakeholders included in the whole game. So that's right. one thing. But also, the plane is uh, substantially more expensive to produce, but also people are willing to pay much more money for a plane, which means uh, the systems are much more redundant 
the system on the plane, there is at least three uh, three redundant pieces that are going to take care uh, if something goes wrong on the plane. And, oh, it has uh, you want to achieve, That's right. So on the car, yeah. in, in, when you are talking about the full self-driving car, you want to achieve the same of safety level, but of course you have to consider the cost of the car. Uh, and that's the main problem, why it is not producing volumes just yet. Okay, very interesting. Last question I wanted to ask you was about hacking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, how likely is the scenario that, you know, I'm in my autonomous car and I'm going along the road and all of a sudden the doors lock and, uh, you know, a voice comes on and says, you know, you've been kidnapped unless you, you know, wire a million dollars to this account. We're going to drive you to a, a, a lonely wow. warehouse in the end of town and, and kill you, you know. Have you been working 24 series? <laughs> no, I mean, it, you know, I can see it happening. Uh, people being, you know, kidnapped by their cars and them being hacked. I mean, what do you have to, you know, what do you think about that? Do you think it's it's ridiculous or it's possible or, you know, what do you think? I've seen it in, in 24 in, in cars <laughs> uh, that are on the roads nowadays, you know. I mean, our cars today are very electronified, I call it. Uh, so there is a lot of uh, components that are digital. And, you know, when I get into my car, I don't use a key, the typical key anymore. Uh, it's digital, too. So it can happen now. It does, you don't have to wait for the self-driving car to occur in order for this scenario to materialize. Uh, so, sure, hacking is, is possible. It's, it's possible even nowadays. If you if you look up um, some videos on YouTube, and there are people demonstrating how to hack the car. It's surely it is surely a problem, and and I think there is a lot of people working on the security of autonomous transportation, but also in general of transportation. Uh, that's that's yeah, the way that's why we I wanted, live you know, nowadays. The first people to put it out will be shows like Twenty Four, but at least you know I guess you're saying it is a, a potential <clears throat> a potential real thing. Um, I know people are working on security, but I guess how do you personally feel? You think that <clears throat> the security will be adequate and we won't really have any problems, or you know, what's your guess? I wouldn't say uh, there is a guess. I would rather say that we have to systematically work on the security on the system level, and and this is what uh, what that we are personally doing uh, at Nvidia. But I think the entire industry uh, is working on those problems as well, because now you're not only talking about the security of of the car; you are also talking about the security of the you know data factories. Uh, that are involved in the entire process of software updates and whenever you are doing a software update over the air or over the charger like Tesla, uh, the the security becomes extremely important. So surely, Hmm. but honestly, uh, I'm driving an electric car now and and I have an app that that is remotely controlling my car. So I basically can control my car nowadays already. Yeah. And and it's not a big deal uh, to you know to start the car from a distance. So even today, this is already a problem. Uh-huh. Hmm. Very interesting. All right. Well, I, I guess that's it for my questions right now. You know, I appreciate you coming and and taking the time. And hopefully, I didn't ask uh, too tough of questions. Um, mm-hmm. If you would like people to contact you to find out more about your work, you know, let me know and provide some resources if. You're happy just to have done the interview and to you know let folks know more about the the inner workings of uh, self-driving cars. That's great, and um, mm-hmm. you know so I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Absolutely, it was my pleasure.
Thank you very much for your time and enjoy the rest of your day. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.